So before we actually unpack God's word this evening, I want to ask you guys two questions. Who is Jesus and do you know him? Who is Jesus and do you know him? What I've learned in my short time as an adult is you can't truly love a person until you know them. You can't actually love and celebrate a person for who they are until you know them. So before I proposed to my beautiful wife, I thought I loved her. In that engagement season, I was so filled with joy, and I thought I loved my wife. Now, don't get me wrong. I had a love for my wife. But it wasn't until my wife and I lived under the same roof and she began to bless me with her awesome cooking that my love just deepened and exploded for her. I truly knew love. Whatever that was before a proposal, that was fleeting. That was little compared to the joy and the love that I had after I had my wife's tikka masala. I never wanted to eat out again. Chick-fil-A who? Burgers and... So my point is, you can't truly love and celebrate a person until you know them. It wasn't until I saw how hardworking my wife was, how she labored to understand the scriptures, how compassionate she was, the tiny, intricate details that I saw in the day-to-day -day that my love really grew for her and that I could celebrate her in a more genuine way. And so, church, I ask you, do you know Jesus? Who is he to you? Because what we know about a person truly charges and informs how we love them. And family, I believe that there is a temptation in our culture to know and celebrate a Jesus that is good, but not God. Our culture loves to celebrate Jesus of the manger, but not Jesus the Messiah. They love to reject the authoritative Messiah Jesus. As I scroll on social media, when I hear certain preachers, when I talk to those who claim to be believers, I get the sense that there is a temptation to celebrate a Jesus that is good, but not God. And to just explain further, what I mean is Jesus is good to them. He is palatable. They think he's a good moral teacher, but he is not God. He has no bearing on their life. This temptation is no new problem. In our text tonight, Paul is writing to a people who are being taught that Jesus is good, but he ain't God. These people were claiming to love and know a Jesus that they don't fully understand. So, in light of the Christmas season, let's see who Jesus is according to the scriptures so that we can truly celebrate him, love him, and know him genuinely. So, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read the text, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. And then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive in. But before that, is that me, Daniel? Oh, thank God. It ain't me, guys. So Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, we'll stop around 22. Hear God's word. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are good and kind. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. Tonight, Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would speak mightily through me. I pray that you would give us hearts hearts to receive and ears to hear. I pray that I would preach with power and clarity. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, Paul begins his identification of Jesus by stating that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, don't get it confused. This does not mean that Jesus was born or that he came into creation at some point in time. Read with me verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. If all things were created by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus, this would mean that Jesus is the preeminent God-man over creation. That is my first point for the evening. Jesus is the preeminent God-man over creation. Now, this word preeminent, it just means that Jesus is supreme, that he is the ultimate authority. It means that he rules over. Jesus reigns over everything that he has created. The text also tells us that he is the image of the invisible God. This does not mean that he and Jesus, he and God look alike like I would look like my mom. This more accurately means that Jesus, bearing the image of God, means he perfectly reflects the character and nature of God. Some would say that Jesus is the exegesis of God. Now, this word exegesis means to bring out of. We use this word to um, explain good and faithful preaching. And so if you want to study a text, you want to find yourself a good exegetical commentary. Exegetical commentaries are without any manipulation, without people's opinion, without extra additives. It keeps it clear. So if you want to know exactly what a text says, you want an exegetical commentary, or you want to listen to an expositional preacher. Jesus is the exegesis of God. Jesus, without manipulation, without outside influence, he perfectly reflects God the Father in his nature and character. 
Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10 says that he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So if you want to know what God is like, read about Jesus. If you want to know what makes God tick, read about Jesus. If you want to know how God feels about you, read about Jesus. If you want to know how God feels about you, your sin, this wicked world, read the Gospels and savor how Jesus offers salvation to the sinful. Read and savor how Jesus feels compassion in his gut, how he weeps with those who weep. Read and savor this news of a new earth and this new heaven. Jesus, in his person, shares the nature of God the Father. They have the same heart and the same agenda. In John 14, 9, Jesus is teaching his disciples that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that if they know him, they can get into the kingdom of God, and that they know the Father. But one of his disciples get very antsy, and he says, Jesus, just show us the Father. And then Jesus says, Philip, have I been with you so long that you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is the image of God. But not only that, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Jesus simultaneously exists as God, but lives as firstborn. Paul is not communicating that Jesus was born or that Jesus came into existence at some point. There are religions that kind of mess this up like Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, but good and faithful Christians do not accept that notion. This verse, it may seem as if Jesus is second place to God, but this word firstborn does not diminish the deed of Christ. It rather signifies Christ's order and his role in the Trinity. The word firstborn, it signifies Christ's order and his role in the Trinity. So Paul, he writes this letter to the church of Colossae in Greek. And here, when Paul uses the word firstborn, he's act, when, he, when he says firstborn, he's using a word protokos. So everybody say protokos. Beautiful job. You all get A's. So this Greek word protokos, it means firstborn. And it can be defined as someone who possesses the rights and the privileges of an inheritor. So recently, Queen Elizabeth II died. A lot of y'all was broken up about it. I'd be lying if I said I was. Just kidding. So Queen Elizabeth II, she had a son, and his name was Charles. He will now inherit her power her authority, and her wealth. In the same way, God the Father has appointed Jesus the Son as an inheritor. Psalm 89, 27 says, And I will make him, Jesus, the firstborn, the highest of all kings. The prophet Daniel, he witnessed this exchange of power. And Daniel says, 
I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed." Jesus is the son of man who has inherited God's kingdom. He is God's firstborn. God has exalted Jesus. God has set Jesus at his right hand. God has given all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth to Jesus. Jesus, because of his favor and affection from his father, has attained preeminence. He has attained this power to rule over all. He is more than prominent. He is preeminent. He is more than good. He is more than some moral life coach. He's more than a historical figure. Jesus is the agent of creation. He exceeds the ability of angels. He has exercised authority over sin, Satan, death, and demons. All things have come into existence by Jesus and for Jesus, and Jesus has been endorsed by God. Jesus is more than the baby in the manger. Jesus is the promised Messiah who came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom, to be our substitute, to die for our sins. He is more than just a baby in a manger. He is the Messiah, and he has a bearing on our life. Now, verse 17 tells us, in Jesus, all things hold together. Jesus isn't just the creator. He isn't just an inheritor, but Jesus is the sustainer of all things. All things are being kept together by Jesus, sustained by his power. Galaxies, atoms, gravity are all sustained by Jesus. Oxygen, light, and seasons are all sustained by Jesus. Kingdoms, presidencies, Invisible powers, whether thrones or dominions, are all subject, subject to Jesus' authority. There is nothing that Jesus doesn't lord over, not a mountain, not a molecule. Jesus reigns over all. And Jesus also reigns over the church. My second and final point is this. Jesus is the preeminent God-man over the church. Jesus is the preeminent God-man over the church. Read with me verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, the New Testament, it never truly defines the church. However, the New Testament does a beautiful job describing the church. We have seen it called a lampstand. We've seen the church be called a bride. We've seen it called a family. But here in the text, we see it called a body. The Apostle Paul, he often calls the church a body. 
in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. In Romans 12, 5, and this was my favorite, he says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So the church, it exists as this living thing. If you are Christian, you belong to a universal collection of people that Jesus has transformed by his mercy and grace. That is such a sweet thing. Now, bodies have many parts. Arms, legs, ashy hands, toes with bunions, right? Eyes to see, ears to hear, mouths to speak. And we need each of these body parts in order to function properly. Likewise, the church body has many members with many different gifts and talents, and she needs each member in order to function properly. What I love about Park Baptist is we take membership into the church body very seriously. We have many talented and gifted people in our body. However, our church body can become deficient. It can become unhealthy if we aren't using our abilities, using our time to serve the body. The body here at Park Baptist has some deficiencies. Now, this is not a bad thing. This is not me condemning Park Baptist. This is actually a good thing. Here at Park By God's grace, he has blessed us with many little ones. You saw them run out. The nursery is always full. By God's grace, our technology department is booming. Cue the little thing that moves back there. By God's grace, we are using our facility often for many great things. In these areas, we have room for your gifts and your abilities so that we can continue to function as a healthy body. So nursery, sound, to clean the building, these are all places that we need your hands, we need your time, we need your gifts, so that we can function as a healthy body. I pray that you guys will consider maybe giving yourselves to one of these areas, because we, we need you. Now, each one of you are important to the body. But there is one part of the body that is more important than all of it, and that is the head, Jesus. Read with me verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Paul lays it out right here for us in verse 18. Paul tells us that Jesus is the head of our body. The head of all of these Christians, he is the captain, the coach, the founder and CEO. Because Jesus is the head of the body, we must allow him to inform us how we celebrate him. Christians do not have the privilege or the permission to customize Christianity. We can't just come to God however we want to. We can't form our services however we want to. I'm thankful that here at Park we don't struggle with that. If the church isn't allowing scripture to form how they worship Jesus, they ain't doing it right. In your own personal life, if you aren't allowing scripture to inform how you live your life, you ain't living right. Some may argue, Moses, you might have said that too strongly. But the text tells us that Jesus is the head of the body. 
the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent. This phrase, firstborn from the dead, is where Jesus gets the audacity to tell the church, to tell Christians how we are to live our lives and structure our church. When Paul says Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, Paul is giving us the Messiah's resume. Jesus, he stepped out of heaven and put on flesh. He put on our limitations. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He climbed the cross of Calvary. He took on our sin and God's wrath reserved for us, and he died. Jesus, he gifted us his righteousness. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead because God accepted him as our propitiation, our substitute. Jesus, our great gift, ascended into heaven, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, in his life, death, burial, and his ascension, he has met the prerequisites to be preeminent. Jesus is the start of a new creation a pure creation, and those who submit to the head of the body, Jesus, will experience this resurrection. They will experience this new creation. The baby who was born of the Virgin Mary, who laid in the manger because there was no room in the inn, the one that they killed and called the King of the Jews, He came to reconcile us to God by the blood of his cross. And so, Park Baptist, I ask you, who is Jesus to you? And do you know him? Do you really know him? Before I take my seat, I want to give you two points of application. First, the text taught us that Jesus is the preeminent God-man who rules over all of creation and the church. As I studied this passage, I was convicted. I was brought low because Jesus deserves first place. And there are aspects of my life where Jesus does not reign supreme. He does not come in first place. So family, right now, I ask you, take an honest inventory of your life. Is Jesus first place in all areas? Is he first place in your finances? First place in your health, your marriages. Husbands, are you really loving your wives? Wives, are you truly respecting and submitting to your husbands? Is he, is he first place in your children's schedule? Or do extracurriculars get in the way? Is he first place in all things? Is he first place in what you watch? Is he first place in who you befriend, where you hang out? Matthew chapter 10, 38 through 39 says, And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me, Jesus, is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Friends here at Park Baptist, if you haven't put your life under the cross of Christ, you are not worthy of him. But if you die to yourself and put him first, you will find life everlasting. So if you haven't, make Jesus first. Secondly, and then I'll sit down. The majority of you have trusted Jesus for salvation, and amen to that. But are you trusting him with your story? 
Are you trusting Jesus with your story? Verse 17 says, in him all things are be, all in him all things are being held together, and that includes you. Some of you may feel discouraged, perplexed, or crushed because of, rebell- because of a rebellious or unconverted child. Maybe you have a dry season in your marriage, a financial hardship, declining health, dead-end careers. You may feel discouraged, perplexed, crushed because of you feel in the blank, but don't give up your joy because your salvation and your story is being held by the preeminent Jesus Christ. Jesus in his preeminence is working all things together for his glory and your good. Jesus will not forsake you. He has not forgotten you. He is still writing your story. There is a happy ending either in this life and most definitely in the next. Not a thing will be wasted, Park Baptist. When the fog of the holidays clear and you're confronted with waves of uncertainty, waves of trials and tribulations, please remember that Jesus is in control. Your story is not over. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He loves us, Park Baptist. He's in control. Jesus wants you to know him deeply. He wants you to celebrate him. Make him first in all your endeavors. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the truth. We thank you that you are over creation, that you are sustaining all things by the word of your power. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that the seed sown would bear fruit 30, 60 to 100 fold. I pray that you would guard us from the enemy. Lord, I pray that you would stir our affections for your son, Jesus Christ, and that it would overflow and that we would tell our neighbors and Lord willing the nation about this beautiful gospel this Christmas season. All this in your mighty name we pray. Amen.